0: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio.
4: Here we go on a Friday into a Saturday, four days into the NCAA tournament. Absolute craziness. Steve Cofield here. RJ Bell.
2: How lucky are we? Think about this, guys. (laughs) We're in Vegas, two days down. The main two days—I don't really count those first two—and in the wise guy chair, college specialist Brad Powers, and a historic upset. And this is what Vegas does better than anybody: is we quantify unlikely events, and we're going to do that right
4: now. Change those notes: one thirty-two and zero coming into this thing. Right, the number ones It moved to one thirty-five and zero, and a one has finally fallen. Think we've talked about it before. It was gonna happen eventually. Just didn't know when. UMBC, Maryland, Baltimore County takes out, not only takes out Virginia, crushes Virginia. Like there was nothing fluky about it. 74, 54, getting 20 and a half, upwards of 22. One and done for Virginia.
2: Tell you this is this is a little bit wonkish, a little bit guy with the pocket protector. But I'm gonna I'm gonna make some call. I'll tease ahead tomorrow's show straight out of Vegas, right here on Fox, three hundred and thirty stations, series eighty three, and we're two hours, ten o'clock Pacific to midnight. What odds would a smart better what would you had to have offered him for him to say, I'll take Virginia or well, I'm sorry, I'll take the how do we pronounce this team? I hear a bunch of different names. UMBC, so Maryland
4: Baltimore U-N-B-C, County. UMBC. Okay. UMBC or just the Retrievers? You the Retrievers. U-N-B-C, the mascot's U-N-B-C. pretty cool. UMBC.
2: If I would have said Brad, UMBC, I want him and I, I want to lay 20. <laughs> I mean, right? What what what? what Cuz first of all, so let's just start with the, funny. let's start with the odds <laughs> of just winning the game outright, right? Which is a money line bet. And it varies, but a safe number, if you had shot for it, would have been 25 to 1. Now, a lot of people on Twitter are like, oh, that's not enough. They go, okay, I hear you, but 25 to 1. Now, if I would have said I'll I'll lay 20 with (laughs) UNBC, I mean, is it 1,000? I mean, like, what would the number be? I mean, we can easily say some gigantic number like 1,000.
3: I want to get the math guys on it. Yeah, I was thinking 1000 And my bet to you, RJ, on that, because obviously I would have really loved to book that bet, uh, I would have taken about as much as you wanted to lay on that. <laughs> <laughs> UMBC minus 20. Would yeah. you feel worse than Tony Bennett if you lost that bet? Yes. Well, well, yeah, you well, can I, just say yes. That's just a game. Yeah, I mean, that, I'd lose my house, my car, I mean. <laughs> my job. I, I wouldn't be doing the show tonight. <laughs> I mean, he'd be on suicide watch.
4: Yes. This thing is so incredible. Like When we look at the game itself, there's some incredible numbers on in what we thought of Virginia and what Virginia had done. So we can start with that and then we'll get to the bigger picture just how momentous a one falling in this fashion by 20 points. But the way Virginia played this year, especially defensively, they couldn't stop this team and this Jerris Lyle's kid looked like the best player in the tournament. They simply could not stop him.
3: They couldn't and, and you know, just team specific such an outlier. Keep in mind Virginia hadn't allowed more than 70 points in any game this season against all those ACC opponents. Not once. 33 games. Not once in 33 games. Virginia allowed 53 points per game on defense this year. They gave up 53 points in the second half to UMBC. Last four years, Virginia has only once been beaten by more than 20 points. Incredible. Just Just team specific to Virginia. And that's why I
4: won. People are popping up now and they're like, we knew they'd have some trouble. You got to score. Like their defense was historic. level. You pointed it out all year. Historic level defense.
3: Second best defense as far as the Ken Palm defensive efficiency ratings in the last 17 years and was number one for majority of the season.
4: Hard work, hitting threes. They out-rebounded the bigger team and the three-point shooting. They were 12 of 24 from three. They were plus 24 from three-point range. That's
3: insane against a Virginia team that can actually shoot. They can't, they're not a high scoring team, but they can shoot. Yeah, UMBC have 53% of their shots. So, I mean, it starts there. Why was there such a biggest margin? I mean, UMBC just shot at, at a great pace compared to what Virginia normally allows. But, I mean, they were clearly the better team. I mean, I'll yep. rebounded Virginia significantly, 16 to 5 assist ratio in this one, UMBC to Virginia. By far, fu- I mean, there wasn't, like you said at the top of the show, nothing fluky about this whatsoever. A Domin- dominant performance in the second half.
4: So let's talk about history, RJ. So it was 132-0 and with the 116 matchup. It got the 135-0 and on the first three ones, got by their 16s. So now we're at 135-1 and for the number one seed against the number 16.
2: Correct. <laughs> so, matters <laughs> which way you look yeah. at the streak, right? 1-0. Yeah. and right. <laughs> someone, on tw- someone on Twitter said, uh, 16 seed has never lost in the second round.
4: Yeah. That's a good
2: one.
4: I like that. Is that in your notes? I'm all over you on BC this next round. History says it.
2: And so, I mean, to me, we uh, we knew a 16 was going to do it. Right. I mean, if you look at Penn, Penn was down to, third, what, 13 and a half yep. against Kansas. Now, obviously, this was, what, 21? Yep. Probably a fair way to say it. Is a twenty-one point favor, but there are fourteen point favorites that lose all that. To me, yeah. the amazingness of this—if it was a buzzer beater, it would have been like, okay, it's going to happen four percent of the time. I mean, literally, it's—it's. Uh, it's, I mean, if you roll double sixes, right? Double sixes are what one in thirty-six, right? Double sixes are going to happen more often, actually, less often than a 25-to-1 shot coming in. It's not that – it's just there's only four year, right? But the idea that it was by – what was the, was the final by 20 what? By 20 points. 20 exactly. Yes. So I guess I wouldn't have wanted to lay 20. I'll lay 19 and a half.
4: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it was it was never in jeopardy. 12, 12 minutes left, it's 12, right? About 10 minutes left, it's sitting at 12. At that point, of course – Cofield the square chair. Hey, there's always going to be a comeback. I love comebacks. They're going to come back. Virginia's going to come back. I get plus seven and a half. I never sniffed a shot. I never came close. Virginia never made a run.
2: So you bet at halftime?
4: No, no. I bet with 10 minutes left in the game, plus seven and a half uh, on a team that was a 20 and a half point favorite to start the game. I'm getting plus seven and a half. I'm down 12 with 10 minutes left. I never had a shot. They never got it inside of 12.
2: Yeah, because I saw a halftime line on Twitter, and this is just someone tweeted it, and I think you were still getting 14 to 1 if you wanted to bat UNBC. Yeah.
3: yeah and it was tied 21 21. So Virginia's defense was playing at their normal <laughs> level, at least in the first half. And not in the
4: second half. Not at all. Uh is this the biggest upset in NCAA tournament history? Well, you would think, right? It's a 116 matchup. Technically, it's not, and I think part of that is what you just mentioned a couple of minutes ago, that the it seems like the gap between the 1s and the 16s have shrunk over the years, and we're seeing smaller and smaller point spreads. You looked into this, Brad. It's actually not the biggest on the closing line, because the closing line you have is what, 20 and a half? 20 and a half,
3: 21, okay. uh, and e- either number there would be the second largest up, outright upset in the history of the NCAA tournament. About uh, six years ago, in 2012, a 15-seed Norfolk State beat number two seed in Missouri, at that point, they were getting 21 and a half. So just the second largest upset in the history of the NCAA tournament. But let's also put, historically speaking, because you're going to hear a lot of people, oh, the biggest upset ever. I mean, this year we had multiple 20-point-plus upsets, including Wofford beating North Carolina as a 25-and-a-half-point underdog earlier this season. Brad and I were talking about what might
4: have been the biggest upset in history, and I really would like to find out somewhere down the road. If you go back to the early 80s, Chaminade and Virginia, remember the NAIA team? Ralph Sampson. Yep. yep. Ralph Sampson's team is coming off this, you know, historic season, a great game of the century against Georgetown, and they go down a little shamanad and lose outright. And some people would estimate that was like a a thirty point.
2: Well, he, here's what I can tell you is is I've got uh, a database I have access to right now, and Brad, I think in the tournament, especially you've got better numbers than me. But this goes back um, to two thousand six. Right, the two thousand six seven season, and uh, yeah, and there are twenty eight upsets of twenty points or more. So a favorite of twenty points or more. So right in that range of Virginia, twenty eight times in what twelve? Uh, no, I guess it's, uh, ten. Yeah, eleven years. So twenty eight times in eleven years. So you know about three, a little less than three a year. Now doesn't change. How amazing this is, and also the idea of again
4: winning by 20 points. Yep. But wow, did you see some of the money line lunacy? I know that Jason Symbol, a cat here at CGT in town, they tweeted out. There's been a couple of UMBC tickets. I saw a parlay, but there was a straight up ticket. What did it pay?
2: Yeah, so I actually retweeted this, the actual ticket, so you can see the ticket itself. And, and again, listen, we're not just, hey, every book gets to put up the lines they won, and obviously this guy wasn't shopping. He only got 20 to 1, right? So it wasn't even the 25 to 1, but he bet $800 to win 16800 You doubt it? Just go to at RJ in Vegas. The ticket, he bet at the Venetian, is up there right now.
4: Oh, the poor books. How are they going to deal with that? You ready? I got the flip side of this. Ready for this one? We talk about betting these crazy amounts, you know, 5,000 to win a couple of hundred and people do it, right? I mean, you talk to the book directors, like it does happen on a somewhat regular basis. Someone this morning at CGT bet $20,000 on a three-team money line parlay. Purdue, North Carolina, and Virginia, <laughs> you know what the payoff was twenty thousand dollar three teamer, eight hundred and seventy dollars <laughs> to win eight hundred and seventy dollars twenty k. The Virginia loss cost that person. I, I keep I tweeted that earlier, like, hey, it's a dude. I don't know if the dude is there. A t- is there a physical ticket out there? I haven't there? seen the ticket yet. No, multiple reports, so confirming it this morning. How about that? What goes through the mind of people? You know, I mean, you know, you guys know people who bet a lot of money, and I don't know if you know money line betters like this, though.
2: Well, the thing is, and Fezzik talks about this, and tomorrow night, Fezzik will join us for a uh, two hour, obviously, recap and Saturday action. We'll touch on some of the Thursday, Friday stuff, look ahead to Sunday, look ahead to next Thursday. It's all kind of good stuff. But um, he always talks about if you actually look at the, the, the straddle, is what they call it. So, how much do you have to bet if you're on the favorite? How much are you taking back if you like the dog? Well, 25 to one, as we said, on the dog, UMBC. But if you would've laid Virginia and shopped a little bit, it was minus 5,500. So $55 to win a dollar. On the take back, a dollar to win 25. So that straddle, that difference is so significant, Steve. It's really hard to find value, uh, even on on favorites that big. And the whole idea of betting a lot to win a little, that's valid, but you can't have that big of a straddle. It's usually, hey, you're laying 9 to 1 or 9 to win 1 when you're supposed to be laying 14 to win 1. That's what the pros love. When you get up to this level, 55 to win 1, it's mighty tough.
4: You have to win, what, basically 23 or 24 of those tickets without a loss. And unfortunately, this person lost. Well, Well, you you know, you'd have to,
2: right? Well, remember, if you're laying 55 to win (laughs) 1, you're going to have to win 55. And then you lose your 56 and you break even. Good
4: point. My math is great. (laughs) On the way back, let's get to uh, believe it or not, one of the playing teams has advanced again. And we'll get into why again is the key phrase. It's straight out of Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Straight out of Vegas!
4: Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio, Steve Cofield, RJ Bell, Brad Powers in the wise guy's chair. So we got one. Major story. We got a lot of major stories, but man, this one just trumps all of them. A one is out. Virginia loses to something called UMBC. The UMBC Twitter account tonight was hilarious. Just trolling people throughout the game like, you know who we are now, don't you? Oh, yeah. And that team will go down in history until it happens again. When's it going to happen again? 135 and one now the number one seeds are. So that's a new rule in your uh, bracket picking. I mean, I still think I would... Pick against the 16s at 135 so you're and one thirty five I'm saying
2: typically you think the ones are going to be the 16s <laughs> more often than
4: not. Is that, I like is that one, the
2: wisdom. I still like Kofield? 130.
4: I still like 135 and one. I like my odds <laughs> in that case. Uh, we got an interesting note coming out of the Syracuse game, and there were bigger upsets than Syracuse beating TCU. Syracuse wins plus four and a half. Beat TCU 57, 52. But it's interesting. There's more success now for these play-in teams. Like they always get. To a Saturday or Sunday game. Now, the track record is only what eight years? Eight years. But here's something
2: to consider. So, so let, I want to hear it. The all, who always gets to what? Let's be very specific. The
3: the teams, the eleven seeds that play in the first four games, the play-in teams have always, all eight years, at least won a first round game and made it to the round of thirty two. Every one of the teams? No. Or, or, Just every year, one of the four, the the out of the two of the eleven seeds have made it to the round of thirty two.
2: Okay, so there's two a year. Two a year. And they've at least split. At worst, it's been one and one. Yep. Wow. Now, here's a concept I'm a huge believer in, which is the team that gets the most amount of heat for making it. Because what you get is you get a double effect. One, you get the public saying, oh, hey, R.J. Bell's out there saying this is the team Vegas Thinks wouldn't make it. One of the stats that we put out that made the rounds pretty heavily was, oh there were, I think, and I'm going by memory, 11 NIT teams that would, be, would have been favored over Syracuse. People see that, yep. they don't really want to bet Syracuse, so no. that's one that's, that's putting given some value in theory to that team that the public perception is shouldn't have made it. And then on the other hand that team is like no one believes in us we got to make a statement here. If we go out and get beat, we're going to be embarrassed. We're going to prove them right. And to me, that one game and that energy around that, not to mention that they're getting faded because of all the the public discussion, I think in general, if all you did was play on against the spread, that one team that most people think shouldn't have made it, you're going to do pretty well. No
3: question about it. In Syracuse, this is the the team that – was most unlikely to make the field, plus 775 on Selection Sunday to make the field. And here now, the Orange, after two outright upset wins, are in the round of 32. I'll ask you, are you that surprised? Because I'm not,
4: and it's based on playing style, and I hate that people don't analyze this enough and analyze matchups. Syracuse, in a one-game situation, is a freaking nightmare because of the matchup zone and their size in the matchup zone, and people aren't used to it, and they stymied both of their opponents Both went way under. I mean, offensively, they're just different teams against Syracuse.
2: So when you say under, you mean under the over-under point total.
4: So the total in the first game on Wednesday was 139.5 in that victory against Arizona State. It finished at 116. Tonight, it was 135, the total. The game finished at 109.
2: Now consider this. Syracuse playing now Michigan State on Sunday, but... The turnaround when it's forty eight hours for that zone, even more difficult.
3: Right. That, that's the great the beauty of the point. Why is Syracuse eighteen and eight against the spread their last twenty six games in the NCAA tournament? A lot of it's because of zone. Teams don't normally see that style of defense. They certainly don't see a Syracuse team that recruits to that style of defense with their wingspan, the extra height. These teams just don't see it. And a forty-eight hour turnaround Uh,
2: Even more difficult. Syracuse, I I think it's a point, point and a half even when it's the second game of the weekend and it's that short turnaround even more hmm. difficult to prepare for this quirky Syracuse
4: zone. Now back to some of the big upsets. Before this UMBC 16 knocking off a one against Virginia, the biggest of the day was Marshall against Wichita State. Plus 13 and a half, plus 8.50,
3: on the money line, and again, Marshall—it was
4: not a fluke. They had the best
3: player on the floor. Yeah, John Elmore is his name, a guy that averages twenty-four points per game. But let's put this in perspective, because it's not going to get any play now that UMBC pulled out right upset of Virginia. Marshall had a top twenty biggest upset in the history of the NCAA tournament today, plus thirteen and a half on the money line, plus eight. Wow, that was top twenty all time. Top twenty all time, really. So, I mean, obviously a big upset here. And you're right, nothing fluky about this game. Marshall controlled things early. Late they made a little bit of a comeback, but best player on the floor. Uh, Marshall clearly the better team. Upgrade for Marshall moving forward two points in their next game.
2: Now let's take a gander. We've got West Virginia hosting Marshall, or not hosting, neutral, obviously. Line opened 11, West Virginia, 11.5, total 159.5.
3: Early lean on West Virginia for me. And here's my concern. Marshall's style of play is similar to Murray State, the team West Virginia just beat and won and covered. Marshall likes to push the tempo, and sometimes West Virginia likes when you want to push the tempo into that press defense. That creates turnovers. I think West Virginia is going to be the lean for me in this game, particularly in the first half until Marshall adjusts.
2: Okay, so let's be specific about that because that's a, a little bit of a niche bet. So first half... Right, so the theory is West Virginia is another quirky, in this case, defense because they press so much. In theory, any team that's unfamiliar with is going to struggle with it initially. That press West Virginia has, but every team's going to at least be more adaptable, adapt to it better come the second half. So, do we consider that backing up to Syracuse again? If you do like Syracuse. Do you like that in the Syracuse in the first half more? Because, again, that time to get acclimated to it.
3: Absolutely, I do. And specifically, not only because Syracuse's defense, but Syracuse, as far as their starters, average more minutes per game than any other team in the NCAA. Out of 351, their starters average more minutes than everybody else. So that'll now be Syracuse's third game in a matter of five days. So that's a disadvantage for the Orange in the second half.
2: Okay, so then we've got two reasons if you like Syracuse against Michigan State to look at first half. Number one, fatigued likely because of the thin rotation. Number two is Michigan State is going to struggle, you would think, more in the first half against that zone than in the second half.
4: Straight out of Vegas brought to you by Hooters. you got to get out to Hooters and try those new smoked wings. There's a whole new way to crave wings, and with all the taste and half the calories, you can eat twice as many Hooters.
2: So, Steve, I, I think I gave you a task <laughs> to find out, do we get free wings?
4: I didn't look into it. All right. I know.
2: I'm going to give you till next Weak week. Weak
4: sauce on my part. Uh, key injury of the day and of the tournament to this point, Purdue destroys Fullerton. Nice job by the number two seed. Lane 20 and a half beats Fullerton, 74-48. But Isaac Hoss Falls turns out didn't look that serious to
3: be a broken elbow. 7-2, 290, out for the tournament. Yep, and uh, worth about four points, according to me. And here's a guy, Haas, that averages 15 points per game, six rebounds per game. Very experienced player, multiple year starter. You mentioned the size; that's what's unique about him seven foot two, two ninety. It's not like Purdue can roll a lot of those types of guys out. Even though Purdue does backup center is seven foot three. Believe it or not, Steve, he, he ain't two ninety. He is not two ninety. No. And doubt- well, I tell you,
2: nothing scares <laughs> me more if I like a team than the backup center being seven two. Because how bad must
3: he be? <laughs> he
4: plays a backup. He plays though. He's uh. a younger guy. He plays, but he's a beanpole as compared to this, guy. this guy's guy. Yes, three hundred pounds. He's it's insane.
3: So where do we do moving forward with Purdue? Obviously, greatly affects their chances of winning this whole tournament. Even though Purdue's still favored in their next round game against Butler. So
2: Ma- just to be clear, then, so Purdue Butler opened up five and a half. Now that was understanding the injury. At the
4: time... I don't think it was fully, understanding the injury. What do you
2: mean fully? Wasn't it known right away? I, no. I,
4: no. No, it came out a little while after. It didn't look like a major injury, and then out of, out of nowhere, about two hours afterwards, we find out he's out, broken elbow.
2: Hmm. Well, if that's the case, then... So you're saying there was uncertainty about the injury because the what? line opened up Purdue five and a half. Moved down to three and a half. So Butler was bet, but you were saying how many points is this player worth?
3: I think he's worth four. I think the uh, there was uncertainty in that five and a half. I understand.
2: Number. So what you're saying is they were saying, okay, maybe he's worth four. We think there's a 50 50 chance he's going to play. And then, you know, so we'll open the line, let's say, at uh, instead of seven and a half, at five and a half. And then once they found out he wasn't going to play, it moved to two points. Exactly. Now, what I found curious is I've never heard an expert, and again, I've been doing this a little while, I've never heard an expert say, well, he's worth four points, according to me. <laughs> yeah. now, I usually that. usually it's like you'll say he's worth four points, and if you don't attribute it, they know it's you saying it. Yeah. Right? But, or it's, hey, it's four <laughs> points based on R.J. Bell or whatever. But Brad goes, according to me. That's a new one. Uh, One of the most exciting. It's better though (laughs) than if he would have said, according to Brad Powers.
4: I think he needs to get to that point. I'm not sure why you're not speaking in third person. What is wrong with you? Uh, One of the better games of the day. Exciting went to overtime. Nevada and Texas. We'll get to uh, what happened in that one, and also looking ahead to a Pack Cincinnati game. But first, Kevin figures with the latest.
1: All right, gentlemen, and, of course, the game of the night. People will be talking about this, well, possibly uh, forever. One of the biggest upsets, the biggest upset in the history of the NCAA tournament, courtesy of Westwood One.
0: The madness has hit its peak as a 16 defeats a 1 for the first time in NCAA history. UMBC is that 16, 74-54. The Retrievers retrieve the first ever win for a 16 against the
1: one. UMBC defeating Virginia, who was 31-2 and 2 in the regular season. UMBC shooting 54% from the field against not one of the best, but the best defensive team in the entire nation. Senior guard for University of Maryland, Baltimore, Jarius Lyles, with 28 points on 9 of 11 shooting from the field online car shopping can be confusing not anymore with true price from true car now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car so visit true car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience couple more upsets in the NCAA tournament on Friday. Butler with a victory over Arkansas, 79-62. Purdue with a blowout victory over Cal State Fullerton, but they did lose their starting senior center, Isaac Haas, for the remainder of the tournament to an elbow fracture. 13th-ranked Marshall with an 81-75 to victory over 4th-ranked Wichita State that one also in the East region some NBA victories for the Miami Heat and the Oklahoma City Thunder the Kings with the victory over the shorthanded Golden State Warriors Kevin Durant will miss at least two weeks with a rib fracture that coupled with Steph Curry being out the last couple of games with an ankle injury Klay Thompson out for a few games with a thumb injury some NFL Excuse me, some NFL news. Sheldon Richardson signing a one-year deal with the Minnesota Vikings. Michael Crabtree, three years, $21 million with the Baltimore Ravens. The Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, goes to the Houston Texans on a one-year deal. Back to Straight out of Vegas.
4: We're going to get to Nevada, Texas, and then Nevada, Cincy, coming up on Sunday in less than two minutes. Honey Badger,
2: how many people in the NFL have a nickname so good that seemingly 80% of the time – his name is mentioned, the nickname is mentioned. Who else is in that mix? I think Dion, right? Primetime used to be like that. Yeah. Anyone else? Anyone today? Jimmy GQ? No. It's building. No. Well, with here, it's,
4: it's all the time. No, but there's all
2: kind of different names for Jimmy G. I mean, Jimmy G is a nickname. Not I don't really, think though. So. It's,
4: it has his name. Like Yeah, we, I
2: hear you. Uh, but Jimmy GQ has his name, too. I know.
4: You're just adding a
2: Q, Steve.
4: Uh, you, you know, you what, little, my, you a, my, you a, my I'm having a full sugar Mountain Dew. My affection, you want one? My affection for Jimmy G, even in March.
2: So here's my question it to Brad Powers: cool. I'm a big believer that teams. We've all had this experience, right? In college, let's say, and one of your buddies gets caught for you know, boozing or whatever, and he's got some kind of consequence all of a sudden you're not boozing quite as out in the open for a couple weeks, right? It's a cautionary tale. Is do we look more towards the favorites, the bigger favorites? Because I tell you this, if you're West Virginia laying 11 and a half, let's say, a big favorite, obviously, for the round of 32, the idea you're going to be totally lackadaisical, like, ah, no chance we're going to lose that one. Is, is, is this upset something that puts the
3: big faves on notice? I think it absolutely does, Uh, but I guess I could play two sides of that. I could also say, hey, any 10-point underdog can also say, hey, if UMBC can win outright as a 20-point dog, why the heck can't we? Yeah, Good point. I think
2: whenever you've got two people trying to – or two different entities, people, teams, trying to exert their will, if both are trying, the strong wins. Yes,
3: I agree with that.
4: So let's get to uh, Nevada beating Texas. You're calling this a misleading final – Got bet to a pick, 87 83. The Pack beat the Longhorns in overtime.
3: So here's the, it's real simple. You don't have to deal with the point spread. The, the, it's pick em, So whoever wins the game uh, is obviously going to cover the spread. Nevada, final 38 minutes regulation. Not once we're winning the game. <laughs> in fact, Nevada trailing by 14 in the second half. The first time Nevada took the lead in, in the final 38 minutes and half overtime, two minutes left in overtime for Nevada. They end up beating Texas, therefore, misleading final.
2: Okay. I have learned something. I've been betting every pretty much every day since I was 14. Statute of limitations is up on that. So I'm not so worried. And I learned something last night. So I was having I was down the Bellagio at the buffet where I like to be. And I was having dinner with like six guys from Atlanta Radio. Really big high-profile guys in Atlanta they said our producer is the worst picker handicapper ever so I started looking at some of his picks I'm like you're the squarest dude I've ever seen and I felt pity on him so I went looked at my games looked at Brad's stuff looked at Fezzik's stuff I said I'm gonna give you one pick (laughs) but you got to swear you don't bet anything else. Because my <laughs> thinking was my sharp pick would get lost in a sea of his squareness. Sure. He he agreed. I gave him taxes. All right, So I'm on air with those guys when they're up 14 with like 16 minutes left. And we're laughing about it. I'm strutting a little <laughs> on air. And then boom, like you said. Now, here's what I've learned. Is the sharpest sharp can't compete. Remember when the Fonz and Mork and Mindy, this is old school stuff, they were having a battle so it was like Fonz's thumb against Mork and Mindy, he point. He would point yeah, Steve remembers, <laughs> he was pointing, right? Who wins? Well now we know the sharpest of the sharps lose to the squares of the squares. So I'm no longer <laughs> giving any super squares any of my sharp stuff.
4: It's RJ Bell, I'm Steve Cofield, Brad Powers is here, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. All right. So unfortunately, start. Steve, that yeah. means
2: I can't give you anything now.
4: I'm out. <laughs> Damn it. I need some winners too. Uh, so maybe Brad can. Uh, Rhode Island is taking on Duke. It's a seven against a two. The Dukies are the two. Rhodey is getting nine and a half, and the total is 149 and a half. And I'm just guessing here because Duke, we've been told for weeks now, changed your defense a while back and have been playing great defense. So is this a side
3: play or total play? Total play for me, lean only, not a like. Under 149.5 on tomorrow's game, Rhode Island-Duke. Two reasons why I like it. Number one, the switch to the zone defense for Duke. Last nine games, 8-1 to the under. Although I'll say lines are starting to catch up to that. The betting market is more often than not betting the under in Duke games. Second reason, a little bit of misleading final. The Rhode Island-Oklahoma game deserved to go under by 10-15 points. Overtime caused that game to be higher scoring, creating a little bit of value. Lean under 149.5, Rhode Island, Duke.
2: Okay, so I think there's a couple things here. One, I think it's we got to be very specific when we say the betting market. So there's the openers, which whoever is doing the world opener, however they arrive at their lines, they put it out. It's a virgin number, first place you can bet it, wherever that might be. That's the odds maker's Then the better is either bet over or under. And if it's lopsided, it moves. All right. If everyone's betting under, well, line goes down. Line opened up the total, Duke 150, it's down to 149. So, yeah, a little bit of move towards the under, but the adjustment's not coming from the betting market. The adjustment's coming from the openers, it would seem.
3: Absolutely, it
2: is. Okay. Doesn't mean it might not get bet down even more. So, we talked about this game at length. And some other real powerful concepts. We actually taped a podcast Thursday night, looking at all the Saturday games, eight games, and went one hour. Just check out my Twitter.
1: His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas,
2: and I've got. I'm going to send the link out tomorrow morning to that, or you can just. uh Well, yeah, that'd be the best way, and we. Do a deep dive in all the games. So obviously we're going to dig into the games tonight the best we can. And if you want even more info, we've got the podcast.
4: Michigan, you've been raving about John Beeline, but on defense. Actually has a good defense for once, normally down in the 70s. He's going to need to come up with a game plan because Houston has Rob Gray, and Rob Gray went off for 39 points on the Houston side. Michigan in a 3-6 game, only laying three. The totals
3: 133.5. I I think I'm going to be in the square chair here on Michigan. And if you go to pregame.com, you can actually look at the betting percentages for this game. And it looks like the public's with me here. So it makes me a little bit worried. I think the value's still on Michigan. From what I saw, you mentioned Rob Gray looking good. I mean, he's still... Houston should have almost lost that game against San Diego State. Here's what I did see from Michigan. Michigan had maybe a C game against Montana still covered. Michigan is a legitimate top five team. 22-4 and straight up. 19-7 19-7 and seven against the spread their last 26 games. John Beeline, their head coach, not Tom Izzo, not Coach K, not Roy Williams, has the best record of any coach long-term NCAA tournament. 70% of the time he covers the spread. 21-9 against the spread. Because of Michigan's lackluster effort against Montana, which they still covered, I like the Wolverines, and I think there's value. Minus 3.5, Michigan's the pick.
1: Check out the big brain on Brad!
2: Now, I'm playing that ironically <laughs> because... <laughs> He I was gonna said, going to say, I don't Br- know if I said Brad Power said the following. I think, maybe, perhaps, I might be against the Sharps on Michigan. Well, let's look at this. Line opened up, Michigan favored by five against Houston. <laughs> 92% of the cash is on Michigan. The line is now three and a half. So think about it. Minus five, 92% of the cash on Michigan, and the line's down to three and a half. If 92, or 92% of the cash on Michigan, line should be up from five, five and a half, six, seven. It means the, sh- the guys that strike the deepest fear in the hearts of the bookies are betting Houston. That's the only way you have such lopsided money one way and the line moving the other. So, Brad, just to be clear, Michigan might cover, but there's no question if you're against the Sharps. You are clearly
4: against the Sharps. I am. Brad, you, do better. Do better on this one, please, 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 please. What do you mean do better? Like win? When? No, no, no. Make make sure you have the sharp square thing all set. Please, my friend. <laughs> not. I what? noticed how I jumped in at the end there just to chastise a little bit on the back end of that from RJ <laughs> <laughs>
2: Villanova. I'm not even following what you're saying. What, what do you think Brad should have done? Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. No confusion. No, he made total sense. He was just he was just soft pedaling.
3: I was. Okay, he was just, you know, it's kind of like
2: right. if a guy was like, hey, I was a little <laughs> late for work, but he's four hours late. Now, one last <laughs> thing about Michigan, because this is fascinating, is there was only two teams, so three hundred and fifty plus teams, right, in Division I. All of them, in theory, could have won the title this year. Obviously, the big conferences have a better chance. At CG Technology, the biggest Bookmaker in Nevada, there were two teams entering the tournament. If they ended up winning the title, would be a net loss on the future bets for the books. So think about it. The bookies with their you know big fat faces, their double chins, kind of unshaven, eating shrimp. Eat oh they're eating shrimp, <laughs> drinking you love drinking shrimp. natty light. They have <laughs> three hundred like forty nine teams on their side. And on the other side, there's two teams that the batters would net-net win with.
4: One was Arizona. The other, Michigan. The second best overall team is out. The best team coming in, Villanova, is still in. We're going to get to Villanova and Alabama. We've got five more games after that. Hopefully a best bet from Brad Powers. That's on the way. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio.
1: Straight out of Vegas! <laughs>
4: Straight out of Vegas, right here on Fox Sports Radio in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier.
2: Did I hear that right? So there's a race coming up, and that track is about destruction.
4: You don't think that sells with NASCAR fans?
2: (laughs) Destruction. I think they know what
4: they're doing at Fox when it comes to NASCAR and its fans. So Villanova is, uh, a, is a one. By that the way, remains. let's get to
2: this Kansas game quick because I, I I'm just gonna batter Brad on this. Oh, you are okay. Yeah.
4: Let me do Villanova. Real quick. Right. Villanova, Alabama. Villanova is 11. The total is 148.
3: Are we going total or side on this one? We're going total. Lean over 148. Here's where I think the mispricing is. Villanova's second best offense the last 17 years in college basketball, according to Ken Palm's offensive efficiency rankings. Alabama's got the best offensive player on the floor, Colin Sexton, but it's that Alabama defense. That only sees a couple of top 25 offenses each year and gave up 81 to Kentucky, 90 to Auburn, 88 to Arizona. That's going to struggle here. Lean over 148 Alabama Villanova.
2: Now, who did Ken Palm say had the best defense this year?
3: Best defense was Virginia.
2: Okay, and Villanova is the best offense. Yes. Okay. Now, quick question. SEC 4-0 on Thursday. Did they have anyone play today?
3: They did. Uh, SEC didn't have as good of a day today and wrapped up with Missouri getting blown out by Florida State.
2: So what was the net net? Uh, what was the total amount of games on Friday?
4: So 5-2 and two overall. Arkansas and Mizzou lose
3: today to ruin the 5-0. Oh. Yep. And Auburn did not cover. So not a good day for the SEC. All
2: right, so... After the four and zero, oh, the thought on on Thursday the thought was upgrade the whole league. Now probably still ha- you know happy with the five and two, but not quite you know obviously four and zero oh plus one and two. Yep, Kansas.
4: Oh, four and a yeah. half. This isn't your Seton best Hall. bet. Is the it? Number, no, that's not. The, the number seems kind of low. Kansas
3: only favorite as a one against an eight by four and a half. Well, well, it's a little low because Seton Hall's been red hot. I mean, Seton Hall's covered... You six.
2: notice how his voice has rised like he's yeah. all nervous? Ready, he, knows, all right, all right. he knows I'm just waiting. Yeah. Go.
3: Seton Hall's covered six straight, so that's kind of why the number's low, but here's what I've seen from Seton Hall. They played four games against number 1 seed caliber competition. Xavier, Villanova. Three of those four games, Seton Hall blown out, non-competitive. Kansas, everyone threw Kansas in the trash. So That big 12 title streak, it's going by the wayside, that long streak. Is he Se-
2: filibustering, you think?
3: No, no. Last 10 games, Kansas 9-1 and one straight up, 7-3 against the spread. And the one loss, the straight-up loss, is a game that didn't matter. When the games matter, Kansas has been one of the best in the country down the stretch. They cover the low number here, like Kansas all that, minus all ass. that
2: makes sense, be very careful. When I was on with the Gormans today, great show right here on Fox, five days a week. And I told Jeffrey, I said, when Vegas offers betters, the chance at a bet that they just look at and go, wow, how are we getting so much value? Vegas is being so generous. Well, if they look at Kansas laying four and a half to Seton Hall, what do you think they're feeling? We know what they're feeling. They're feeling like, gimme, gimme, Kansas. If the Vegas bookies let the public have something they're so excited about, I can promise you long-term that's a tough
4: bet. Let's look at a best bet. Kentucky laying six
3: against Buffalo. Yeah, best bet's going to be on Kentucky here. Here's an outlier for you. Kentucky did not make a three-point shot in their last game. First time it's happened in 30 years for Kentucky. Longest streak in the history of the NCAA tournament. Their opponent, Davidson, made 11. Kentucky in a key category, minus 33. That creates some value on a team that's 8-1 and one straight up and against the spread of the last nine games. They roll over a Buffalo team that's probably sitting pretty after the Arizona game.
2: Kentucky favored by five and a half. Best bet from Brad Powers. I love that stat. They didn't make the threes, and if they did, they would have covered easily. I think they cover.
4: Kentucky does tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow night, 10 o'clock Pacific. Straight out of Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! (laughs)